wife. I, we've, been, we've known each other for 28 years now. And um, we, we, I, I found out early on what it means to party with my wife. Okay, so my kids love it. It's kind of passed down. I, I, mean, I enjoy a, a group of people coming, but I like to be prepared. I don't know, guys, if you like that, but I like to be prepared for what's coming. So my wife will come to me very often and say, hey, um, I'd like to have a few people come over. Now, when I say the word few, what do you think of? Like how many number? I think four or less. Okay, well, that's what I think of. I don't know where you go. I looked it up. I actually looked it up online on the dictionary. It doesn't give a number, but I'm giving it one under four. About halfway through, halfway to the party, let's say she says, hey, let's have a, she did this the other week, you know, for Memorial Day. Hey, why don't we have a few people over? The next day is, hey, I invited some people to come over. Now, when I say some, you have a number in mind. The number that I have, less than 10. Okay, just under 10, which is manageable. You know, that's, I like that. Five couples, let's chill, let's eat some food. What ends up happening at the Maxwell house after my fourth trip to the grocery store (laughs) is it goes from a few to some to, hey, I called a bunch of people to come over, get ready. So I asked her, how many people are actually coming over? This is Friday before Monday because we have a big weekend. We always, weekends are our busy time. How many people are coming? Oh, we know just around 35 or 40, which I know is 55 or 60 (laughs) that are coming over to my house. Well, that's what a party looks like at the Maxwell House. I believe that that's what church should look like. I, I don't believe that Jesus wants any of us to uh, not experience a party every single weekend. The way I look at church, and I've been doing this for 16 years, pastoring this church, every weekend is a party to me. And that's the way church should be. We, we have 52 opportunities in the year to get someone connected to Jesus Christ. And that's what the church is supposed to be about. And that's what I want Freedom House. This whole series is really to challenge you in you engaging some people to know who Jesus Christ is. Now, I know God anyway. The immediate thing is, what do you mean? Like, I'm just kind of new to God anyway. Are you telling me I need to go witness to somebody? When you say that word witness, I'm thinking knock at the door, Jehovah's Witness. You know what I'm talking about. Like, are you, you know, that, that kind of conversation. Um, I think those are good conversations, but I believe relational evangelism is really the mark of a true Christian, meaning that, that if we can just engage with people, just to connect with people on a real-life basis, at your soccer game, at your school, at your job. And so what we're doing over these next summer months is just saying, hey, why don't you have a house party? Why don't you get involved in a house party? Invite some people over your house and, and maybe just have some cookies, some cake, or chill, you know, play some card games, swim at the pool together, have a mom's day, invite some friends from work to come over, engage some people, and then invite them. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9. He says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Notice verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, when he looked on the landscape of mankind, he was moved with compassion. That word actually means on the inside, think about this, God was moved. God in the flesh moved with compassion for them. He saw these people, he saw all these 
the multitudes of people who's moved with compassion. Why? Because they were weary and scattered. Now, those, those words are good words, but I don't think they're the best words to describe what he actually saw. The word weary actually means to be harassed. The word scattered means to be thrown out. In other words, what Jesus saw was a bunch of people who were oppressed by the enemy, and they felt like outcasts. That's what he saw. And then notice what he says after this. And I think this prayer is just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. He said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. Look, look at all, look at what, and see you and I, we, we come into this every day, think about it. Every day you go to work, I know, I know that you meet somebody and they're talking about their weekend, but they're really talking about it because they're, they're really lost. They're talking about who they slept with and, and who they went out with and, and it may seem joyous, but when they get alone, there's probably a lot of pain and despair. You might be sitting next to them in class and, and you can tell, man, they're just harassed by the enemy. It's just problem after problem after problem. And here's the thing, man, we got the answer. We know, we know the person who can change their life. Like, Jesus is the answer. Are you here? Are you here today? And so, so he says to his disciples, the harvest truly for pray, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, Jesus frequented three places when he was on the earth. He, he went to open spaces so he could preach. He went to quiet places so he could pray. And he went to people's houses so he could party. Jesus liked to party. First miracle he did, party. I mean, he made the party better. He turned water into wine. Come on. I know y'all are gonna come try that at home. I hope it doesn't work. But anyway, but he had a party. He was at a party. The first miracle that he did was at a wedding reception. God, and he, he wants to make sure that we understand that serving God is fun. It's, it's, it's not something. I grew up kind of making fun of Christians because that's the way media does, makes the fun of Christians. I want to change that whole dynamic in our culture. That when people understand that, hey, man, we're real. We got problems. We deal with things. But, man, we, we know somebody that can help us through the problems. We want to talk about over the next few weeks, we want to talk about three specific relationships, and we want to focus on one particular one, because you have three relationships. The first is you, you have a relationship with Jesus, but we don't want to just focus solely on that relationship. I mean, Jesus even said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, but he didn't stop there. He said, you also should love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't just stop. If you just focus on Jesus, then you'll probably become a monk and find yourself off, you know, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere. You also have a relationship with insiders, the people within the church. But we also don't wanna just focus all of our attention on the insiders, right? Because if we just focus on Jesus and the insiders, then what can happen is we can become clicky and legalistic. And what ends up happening, we put barriers, and this happens to churches all over the world, where they get so focused on us for and no more that they lose sight of the community that they should be connecting with and they create all the, and that's what I wanna do today. I wanna kind of break down those barriers. The third relationship, and this is the one we wanna focus on the most with this, with this whole series, House Party, is our relationship with outsiders. The people that we come in contact with on a regular basis. Now, I'm a pastor and it is really easy for me to hang around with Christians all the time. 
Most of the people I work with are Christians. I'm just saying, Joel, we're still working on. Clint, we don't know Clint, this guy over here, I don't know about him. Josh in the middle, we need to pray for him. And so I have to be real intentional to get outside of the insiders in Jesus. And I love Jesus and I love you. But I need to make sure that I engage people. You have a unique opportunity because you are in the world often. You are connected where we can take people, help you understand this relationship where we can take people from the outside and make them insiders. Outside and insiders. So if you're taking some notes today, I want you to write some things down. I'm gonna give you a couple thoughts on what I like to call the invitation. The invitation. And I wanna look at one particular passage. We're gonna spend all our time in this one particular passage in Luke chapter five. And where Jesus is walking, he's got a few disciples. He doesn't have them all yet. And it says in verse 27, you can follow on the screen behind me or on your mobile device. And these things he went out After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector. Everybody say tax collector. Say it one more time because not everybody participated. Say tax collector. And his name was, what was his name? Levi. What was his name? Okay, important. He was a tax collector. Name was Levi. Very important. Sitting at the tax office. He's working for, for the IRS. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, follow me. Everybody say follow me. Look at your neighbor. Look at him and said, he said, follow him. So, verse 28, he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi, what's his name? Levi, Levi gave him a great feast, he had a party in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. Levi has a party, all his buddies come over that work for the IRS, and a bunch of other people. And their scribes, There, scribes and Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, why are you partying and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Tax collectors and sinners. Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. He's kind of attacking these religious people, the scribes and Pharisees, but those who are sick. I have not come. This is his mission. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. All right, look at me for a second. It's very important before we even dig into what this invitation looks like to see the line that Jesus crossed right here because I think this is a very important thing for us to recognize in regards to the people we have in con- are in contact with on a regular basis. Tax collectors were bad people. Okay, I know we all have kind of an you know, adverse reaction to taxes. You know, we get sick to our stomach. Some of us pay a lot of taxes. You know, it's, it's rough. This particular role as a tax collector was brutal when you came to a Jew. So for Jesus to even talk to a tax collector was amazing. Tax collectors, Romans were, were in the Roman Empire. The Romans were, were an oppressing, harassing oppressive people and they were oppressing the Jews so much so that they were taking taxes from them. But the Jews who aligned themselves and became tax collectors, not only were they connected with the Roman Empire, but they were thieves as well. So they would steal money from their own people. Think about it. 
Stealing money from your own family, your own friends, the people in your own neighborhood. Levi was an outcast when it came to the Jews. He had, the tax collectors had their own classification in the Bible. It wasn't just sinners, and they were included in that group. No, they were tax collectors, own group, and sinners. So, so God's letting us know that, listen, these people were bad. So when Jesus goes and talks to this, this guy named Levi, who's a tax collector, every Jew was judging him. Every Jew was looking at him and going, who in the world are you talking to this guy? I mean, this guy is a loser. Nobody likes him. Everybody hates him. Don't you know he stole from me? He stole from my family. We're paying taxes to him. He's taking it to the Romans, and he's charging me 10, 20, 30% more than I'm supposed to pay. And you, Jesus, you're supposed to be the Messiah, the Son of God, this great teacher, doing miracles, seeing all this stuff happen, and here you are talking to this guy. Who do you think you are? And see, this leads me to the importance of this invitation. If you want to write this down, this is important. Everyone is invited to follow Jesus. Everybody. Everybody is. We, we can't draw a line and say, well, those aren't. Which we do sometimes. Come on. It's easy to do. We start pointing the finger at everybody else. See, the truth is, is that whether you're following Jesus or not, you're following something. Everybody's following something. You were created to worship. You, you, have a, you have inside of each one of us is a desire to worship. Jesus asking Levi to follow him, basically he was pulling on the human nature that God put in us to worship. If you're not following Jesus, you're following someone or something. There's no middle ground. Like, there's no middle ground. You're not stationary. You're following something. You're either following your career, you're following money, you're following a girl, you're following a guy, or you're following Jesus. Time. And I've seen, I see this happen with, with young people in the church all the time. And I've seen them come, come in and out of the church all the time. They're on fire for Jesus. Oh, they look, I love you, Jesus. You're the best Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Until she walks in. <laughs> I love you, Jesus, but she's cute. And then next thing you know, she's cute becomes we just went out to coffee to we just had, had lunch together and then you never see them again. It's true. It happens every time. A lot of times. They just, they just take off. And you really find out who they're following. They weren't following. They, they, they liked Jesus. But what they really wanted was a mate. Now, girls, same thing. Sometimes even worse. Because they, be, they get in this place. As they get older, I need a man. I need a man. I need a man. Give me a man, God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Give me a man. And then he shows up and then... Jesus becomes secondary, could be our career. We get so focused on our career that we just kind of, you know, yeah, we might show up for church on Sundays, but the truth is, is we're not really following him. The second thing that I want you to understand is that there's, Jesus put no qualifications on following him. Zero. Notice that Jesus did not say, okay, Levi, listen, here's what you have to do. Okay, you need to go repent to everybody. You need to tell them, and, and it'd probably be nice if you give them all their money back. Uh, because you really, let me just tell you, <laughs> you really upset some folks by taking too much money. You probably st should stand up at your homeowners association and tell everybody that you're, you know, it's, it's okay, I'm no longer. No, Jesus just said, follow me. No qualifications. This is a hard pill sometimes for us to, to swallow. 
Because we like to put qualifications on people, don't we? I love what, what God says in 2 Peter 3. He said, God isn't late with his promise. As some measure lateness, he's restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end. Why? Because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's given everyone space and time to change. When I became a Christian, man, I got on fire for Jesus. Like, I mean, full on, I mean, going. And I was that guy that, that started off with my relationship with my wife. I met this beautiful girl. I'll tell you a little, a little bit of story a little bit later. I'm getting ahead of myself. But when I got saved, uh, my mom was not a Christian. Matter of fact, the first time I ever took Penny to see her, she was rolling joints in the floor. Like, that's my mom. My mom used to give me drugs. Don't judge me. This was before my, my Christian days. My mom used to give me drugs because her mentality was, you're gonna probably do drugs, and I wanna make sure they're good ones. So I'm gonna give them to you. That's an okay place to laugh. It's all right. I've made it. I'm here. All right. I did make it in, in life. <laughs> so I took my wife to see my mom because I wanted to witness to her. Now, I didn't know what it meant to witness to somebody, but my pastor and my church kept telling me, you need to witness, you need to witness to people. So I go to my mom, and I, I just response. I'm not good enough. Church, like, go to church with me. Here's her response. I'm not good enough to go to church. And I was like, you're not good enough. And that's how a lot of people that we come into contact think. Contact think. They think I'm not good enough. There's no way I could walk into that church. No way, man, I'm, out, I'm like a bad person. I need to get myself straightened up. And I, I just kept telling them, show up, show up, show up. Now she's saved. She loves Jesus. She stopped doing drugs, amen. That's a good. And, 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 and she, she now understands the value of this. See, what we tend to do is we tend to scale out sin, right? We put some sins a little worse than other sins, don't we? Right? We do that in the church. Let me ask you a question. Does Jesus do that? Can't find it in the Bible where he, he says, well, this is really bad. How many would you agree that adultery is a pretty bad thing? Right? That's a bad thing. Well, in John chapter 8, there's a woman, check this out, caught in the act. TVMA, I mean, this is rated R. Caught in the act of adultery. The religious throw her at the feet of Jesus. And they ask Jesus, what are you going to do about her? She was caught in the act of adultery. The law says that you should stone her. She should die right now. Jesus, that's a difficult place. Jesus makes the statement back to them. Whoever's without sin, you, you throw the first stone. And the Bible tells us that from the, young, from the oldest to the youngest, they each walk away. And Jesus, check this out, never talked about her adultery. Never confronted her adultery. You know what he said to her? Don't do it anymore. That's grace. That's mercy. You say, no, no hold on a second, that... I'm just letting that sit for a second because if you've been around church for a long time, that kind of sits a little hard on you. Like, well, why didn't he say something to her? I mean, if it were me, I would have probably gave her a book <laughs> or something. Like, told her all the stuff that she did wrong. That's not what Jesus did. Why, why, why do we have a tendency 
to find ourselves in that position. See, Jesus was trying to break a pattern that religion had created. He was trying to break a pattern. Let me, let me show you what the pattern looks like. Throw that up on the screen for me. See, religion or general thought of religion, and this is what the Pharisees believe. Like me, then you can believe like me and behave like me, then you can belong like me. That's, that's the way they thought. You gotta believe like me, you gotta behave like me. So every attack that religion came against Christ was this whole attitude. They don't believe, they don't behave, so there's no way they could be included into this story. So they throw this woman, they would challenge him, because Jesus was letting us know that, listen, it's not about believing and behavior first. It's about belonging, because if he can get you to feel like you belong, the believe and the behave will come. It'll come. Now, I know, I know that sits hard for us Christians, because we want people to pay the same price that we paid. But the truth is, is that's the Jesus style of ministry. You belong, and people want to belong. What about their sin? Let God deal with it. What about their mistakes? Hey, he died for it. Why don't you let him handle it? You don't have to stress over it. And here's the great thing. No sin will disqualify you. No sin will disqualify you from no addiction, no habit disqualifies you. You say, well, what about the skeptics? Let me, shock, let me just throw it out. It might be shocking to you. Did you know that the disciples followed Jesus for like two and a half years and most of them didn't even believe he was the Messiah? Every time he would do a miracle, they'd be like, are you really the guy? Like, are you really him? Come on, tell us for real, Jesus. Are you really the guy? And then he would say, I'm the guy. A few days later, he'd do another miracle. But really, like, are you really the guy? I mean, he walks on water, gets in the boat. I wonder. Like, I wonder if he's really the guy. They worshiped him, and they were like, this could be the Messiah. Like, yo, yo, I, I don't know the last time you saw somebody walk on water, but yes, he is the Messiah. Are you, are you following me? Skeptics, we just give people the invitation. God will work out the rest. God will work out the rest. He'll deal with the rest. What about doubters? Thomas, one of the 12, doubted all the way up until he was raised from the dead. I'll believe it when I see the nail print in his hands and the hole in his side. Jesus wasn't nervous about it. You know what Jesus did? Here you go, Thomas, touch him. It's really me. It's real. It's really me. Don't be nervous, man. Don't be nervous about that coworker that says he's an atheist. Invite him to follow Jesus. Don't be worried about that, 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 that person who is just antagonized and, and, and just agnostic and, and they're pushing against Christians. Just invite him to follow Jesus. Just come, hey, just come to church. Just come sit with me. I'll take you out for a free lunch afterwards. Buy him lunch, buy him a coffee. Here's the second thing about the invitation. The invitation to follow is to a relationship. The invitation is to a relationship. Christianity is a relationship. It's not about coming to church. Now, I, you might, that might shock you because I'm a pastor. I want people to come to church. Church is just an expression of that relationship. Church is our opportunity to show the world the hands and feet of Jesus. Church is our opportunity to show the community what Jesus can really be, who he can be. 
what, 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 what he wants to do in people's lives. But here's the warning. Let me, let me just give you a warning. If you choose to get in relationship with Jesus, you will change. Just a warning. If you choose to follow him, I mean really follow him, you're gonna change. Well, I don't know about all that change stuff. Hey, let him work it out. Just take the step. Just invite him to follow. Don't worry about that neighbor. You say, man, they're, they're, man, their family's jacked up. I don't even know if I want their kids in my house. Have a party at their house. <laughs> but invite them to follow. And watch God change them. I love what happened with Levi. Verse 28, after Jesus says, follow me. You know what he did? Left everything. You can tell when somebody truly follows Jesus when they leave everything. He left it all. Now I want that just to sink in for a second because he didn't just leave a job. He left a relationship with a harassing nation. It wasn't like he could go back and get his job again. That, 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 that wasn't gonna happen. He was, he was basically aligning himself away from the Roman Empire. I imagine his life was probably threatened as a result of his decision. He followed. Fishermen left their fish. Lazarus left his grave clothes. Mary left her alabaster box. They left, you leave something. You walk away from something when you follow Jesus. And Jesus never asks us to. He never said, hey, why don't you leave the tax office? He never said that. Some of you know my story most of you don't. When I, when, I, when I met God, it was through a girl. I was in a fraternity. I was crazy. I mean, you name it, I did it. I smoked it. I drank it. I was a crazy person in a fraternity at a college. And so one night, we're having this huge party. It's called our jungle party. I'm dressed like a tree. Okay, I won't describe it because I don't want that image in your head the next time you see me, but I was dressed like a tree. We'll just leave it at that. Your imagination can run wild with yourself. I'll say, anyway, this girl comes in. And I, you know, this is my before Christ days. I was a bit intoxicated. And something came out of me to the effect of, I'm marry that girl. And it was Penny. It was my wife, Penny, now. You know, it worked. I don't know if it was proper lying, prophesying, or I don't know if it was Jim talking or Jesus talking. I'll figure that one out later. But anyway, I, I, I said it. Now, my motivation was not Jesus, I can promise you that. Okay, I was not saved. And she, she sat me down, I'll never forget the conversation, she said, listen, I like you, kind of, you're a little crazy, you know, I don't know much about you, we went on a couple dates, I almost got in a fight while we were on a date, you know, I was this crazy kid. And so she says, listen, I'll just be honest with you, I, I am interested in somebody who loves Jesus, who's on fire for God, that's what she said. I said, well, first of all, I don't even know what on fire for God means, but you haven't even given me an opportunity. She goes, well, why don't you come to church with me? And I said, well, I can do church. If I get that, then I'll do church. That was my motivation until I walked into an environment like Freedom House where the presence of God was. Everything changed. I was in a fraternity. I was on the board of the fraternity. I, I held a very important office in the fraternity. I had a lot of friends and connections. And all of a sudden, this relationship with Jesus changed everything about me. And I walked away from it all. And let me tell you, man, it was not easy to do. 
because people were, were brutal on me. My friends, I lived with five fraternity brothers. So here I am living in a house with five of my fraternity brothers. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a believer. You can imagine, please don't, but you can imagine what happens in a house with five guys in a fraternity. In college, it was crazy in my house. And, and, and here I am, I can't, live, I can't leave, I'm on a contract. I can't walk away from the house. I, can't, I had to walk away from my fraternity brothers, walk away from it all. Why? Because Jesus had touched my life, changed me. I mean, radically changed me. And that's what you do when you get saved. I'm not talking about getting fire insurance. I'm talking about getting saved. When you really get impacted for Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. See, here's the last thing. To follow Jesus forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. And this is the freedom that happens with you and me. When we start to follow Jesus, it's not, we don't have to, we don't point, a real follower does not point his finger at people who aren't following Jesus right because we have some idea of what it looks like. And this is, this is, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about letting people off the hook. I'm talking about letting Jesus do his work in people's lives. And me not feeling, or you not feeling responsible to change them. I think we, we get in some dangerous territory as believers when we start trying to be the Holy Spirit and trying to change people's lives. It's not up to us. You know, we know what we do? Invite them. Maybe it starts with an invitation to your house for a little house party. They get to know you. Listen, I worked... And I say I worked, I mean, I, I just loved on some people for a, a few years. I, I, I told you earlier that I'm a, I'm a pastor and it's really hard for me to, you know, it's easy. It would be easy for me just to hang around with Christians all the time. So I have to be real intentional about getting, putting myself in environments. And so I, I put myself in a particular environment for a long time. And there was a, a couple that, that I just really had a heart for, I invite them. They would show up occasionally to church, connected with them, just, just loved on them. I, wasn't pre- I didn't put any pressure I, in me. I just felt like that if Jesus was real enough in me, that no matter where I was, it would rub off on them. You know? Like if he was real enough in me, that, that, that they, they wouldn't be just attracted to me, but they would be attracted to the Jesus on the inside of me. And what's happened is five years gone by and now they're open to some conversations. They come to church a little more often. They sit beside me. I've watched them ever so slightly raise their hand during altar calls. I've seen them do it probably four, five, six times and I'm cool with that. They can keep raising their hand. I haven't had that conversation with them yet like sat down and said, hey, tell me about your relationship with God. But I'm, 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 I can't wait to. Like, I know there's gonna be that moment where I can really give them the invitation and I know 
that God's going to change their life. Because when, when that happens, their values change, their priorities change. Not because I wanted them to, but because they're impacted by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. And I love this last part. His mercies begin afresh every morning. We woke up to new mercies today. And the more that we surround ourselves with the understanding that God is merciful to us, I don't know about you, but I got a lot of mercy. I wasn't a very nice person. If you met me before Jesus, you would not like me. And I'd probably not like you either, just being honest. I wasn't a very nice person. But over the last 28 years, God has totally reshaped in these few months. It's been a challenging time. Really spoke to me over the last few months. It's been a challenging time for me personally, just different things going on in my life and relationships and things like that. And when I dwell on God's faithfulness, it helps me because the tendency is for me to feel so much um, need to help this other person get their stuff together that I overdo it with them. Like I really do, I really gotta go over the top. And I've just kinda had to realize, your mercy God, your mercy, your faithful God. You can handle it. <laughs> I'm not you. I need to quit claiming I'm trying to be with my actions. I just need to trust you. I need to trust you. Why don't we stand on our feet today? If you could just bow your head and close your eyes right where you are. I wanna give you that invitation. Maybe you're here in this place and you would like to follow Jesus. You're following something. You say, well, I don't know about the whole belief thing. I don't know about the, the behavior. I, I don't know if I wanna change my life. That's all right. Hey, just, just start following and watch what happens. Jesus is invitation to you as you belong. You, you belong here. You came into this place today. You might have think, man, I just can't. Somebody invited me, whatever. You're here. God, God, God puts you here on purpose. He wants to do something significant in your life. Maybe you followed Jesus at one time, but you got kind of off the trail. You kind of took an exit ramp and found back in some back road somewhere. You know you're not supposed to be there, but you want to come back into a relationship with Jesus. I want to pray for you today. I would love to lead you in a declaration of your faith to become a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you say, that's me. Maybe you're kind of unsure about your eternity. If you closed your eyes, went to bed tonight, and you woke up on the other side, would you be in heaven? Would you be in hell? Look, they're both real places. It's your choice. You heard the word, you heard what the Bible says. God doesn't want you, he's, he's, He's hesitating on the end. Why? Because of you. He wants you to follow him. Follow him. If you're here today and you say, that's me. I want to start a brand new relationship with me. Just, I, I, want to, I want to start that on your heart. Just, that's me. Just, I, I, want to, I want to start that relationship. Thank you, thank you. I see hands just all over this place. Let's pray this prayer out loud. Church, would you join with them as they make this declaration? Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood was shed for my forgiveness. I put my trust in you, Jesus. I'll follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, 
for being raised from the dead to give me a brand new life in Jesus' name. I started today. Amen. Come on, let's give them a big hand. Come on, let's celebrate them. Such a powerful word.